Hello, everyone. This is episode one of the Healing the Nations podcast. I'm Peter Chung. I'm a historian and gospel worker evangelist. And the reason why I've started this podcast is because of the situation going on in our nation and the deep divisions that are happening in our nation, not only in our nation, but within the church. And I pray that this podcast will be a blessing to God's people that would bring reconciliation and remind us of the mission that we as Seventh Avenues have in this time in Earth's history to uphold religious liberty and to spread the end time gospel message. And we are in episode one right now and we're broadcasting from GYC Southwest, SWYC 2017. And I'm with the senior pastor of the Campbell Seventh-day Adventist Church, Pastor Ivor Myers. Hello, Pastor Myers, how are you doing? Peter, good to uh, be with you and uh, good to be with you on this first podcast. Uh, hopefully, by the grace of God, it will be a blessing to those who listen and um, I'm looking forward to it. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for your time. You're very busy. Can you tell us something about your ministry, what you do? That's a that's a big question. Uh, it's We do a lot. You know, I'm a pastor. Um, I pastor the Campbell Seventh-day Adventist Church. I've got uh, several ministries. So we have the Power of the Land ministry, which is my oldest ministry. Um, um, and basically that ministry has taken us all around the world, uh, speaking to uh, young people, um, old people, all kinds of people, showing them the gospel of Christ and the power of the Lamb. Uh, we also have our, our army ministry, which uh, you are actually uh, instrumental in helping to get started up. And the army ministry is basically about teaching people how to study the Bible for themselves. Um, and that ministry has been going for, I believe, about, uh, wow, I don't even know how many. I think we've done like 30-plus camps now. 2009, last, I think. Yeah, so. 2009, yeah. So Lord's been blessing in both of those ministries, and um, you know, he just continues to bless as we move forward trying to help get the gospel into all the world. Praise the Lord. Um, I notice you're very active in social media. Mm-hmm. And you are willing to delve into controversial issues. Mm. <laughs> what motivated you to deal with controversial issues on your Facebook page? As a voice in the Adventist church, I believe that God calls this voice to be heard. I believe he calls all of our voices to be heard. And uh, having you know social media um, at our uh, disposal, I believe that it's a responsibility of ours. Um, to get the gospel out in every possible way. I think social issues that we see happening today um, have a very important bearing on the gospel. The gospel cannot be separated from the, from the social issue of the day. Um, when we do that, we're, we're actually robbing the gospel of its very power because the gospel is good news. And good news must be understood within the context of bad news. Many of the social issues that we're looking at today are, is bad news, hatred, violence. The answer to these things is not more hatred, more violence, but the answer to these things is the gospel. And so that's, I would say, um, probably the main reason for me being active on social media is to show the connection between the gospel and our, the issues that we face on a daily basis. There are some naysayers that say that 
dealing with social issues mm-hmm. is focusing or diverting ourselves from the three angels' messages, but focusing on social justice. Mm-hmm. And social justice has become a dirty word in some of our circles in the Adventist church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, my response would simply be to read Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is the social justice chapter, right? It's talking about uh, uh, the, the responsibility of God's people to address the oppressed, right? It is calling us to realize that part of true Sabbath keeping is in letting the oppressed go free. Um, that was the whole thing with the children of Israel, them being called out of, uh, out of captivity, and then God gave them the Sabbath, right? And that Sabbath was to be a sign to them. Remember uh, that you were a slave in a strange land, and I set you free, right? The Sabbath brought attention to God's method of dealing with the oppressor and the oppressed. So uh, I think when people, again, try to separate the social issue of the day from the gospel, they're doing disservice to the gospel. Um, Read Isaiah 58 and read it again and read it again and read it again to turn our, uh, you know, in Isaiah 58, I think it's verse, uh, I think it's verse six or somewhere around there, where it talks about not hiding thyself from thy flesh, not known flesh. That is a term that would be the way that we could put it you know, in our English today, is don't ignore the oppressed. Don't ignore those who are going through whatever issues they may be going through. And for many of us, we, we turn our faces, we hide our faces from our own flesh. We hide ourselves from our own flesh. We're like, yeah, you know what, that's not my issue. My responsibility is to preach the gospel. But if you're preaching the gospel and yet not demonstrating the gospel, then it's hypocrisy. This question is a little personal. Mm-hmm. There is a prominent YouTube ministry that brought out concerns about you and your wife mm. during the election in regards to voting. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Seventh-day Adventists as in regards to voting and politics? So, um, you know, I believe that our history bears out that Adventists... Uh, were encouraged to vote. Uh, They were discouraged from um, making their voting choices prominent or making it a a point of contention. Um, The right to vote is very important. And uh, it was not discouraged among our our pioneers. Um, Ellen White herself um, spoke about voting to issues. And so, again, I think there is a a you know disservice when we tell our people um, that it is a, a sinful act to vote um, in and of itself. Um, you know we're not to vote for individuals; we're to vote for uh, issues, mm-hmm. and uh, that is a, you know that's a fine line because there are people that espouse certain principles, certain issues. So at some point, those lines blend. But again, it all comes back to 
a person's personal conviction. And uh, so whether a person votes one way or another, we, we should not allow that to bring contention into the church. Um, I do believe that as Adventists, we have a tendency, many Adventists have a tendency to make their political affiliation known without realizing that they're making their political affiliation known and they use it as a uh, as a weapon um, towards their fellow brothers and sisters who may see things differently in terms of their political views so that's the reason i believe ellen white told us do not um, make prominent or do not make it an issue of contention in the church now Politics and prophecy are two different things. Politics deals with the world. Prophecy is something totally different. There's an intersection in which prophecy and politics necessarily cross. Mm. And when I believe that as Adventists, we should be very vocal about prophecy as it relates to politics. Okay, politics for politics sake Keep that to yourself, right? Personal, whatever. Prophecy, as it regards politics, that we should be vocal about. So when we see trends of events happening in politics that fulfill Bible prophecy, we don't say, oh, don't talk about that because that's politics. No, 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 no. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about prophecy. And uh, unfortunately, that's one of the things that I've seen um, – misconstrued especially over this last election cycle is um the false i don't want to use the word accusation but i'm going to use that word anyway mm -hmm. the accusation that um people are getting political when they're actually warning of prophecy that is being fulfilled so where do you see that intersection between prophecy and politics where do you see prophecy being fulfilled after this election cycle yeah so you know and this is strange to me because i guess it 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 confuses me a little bit that there are adventists who don't understand that it is the christian element of the united states of we've always taught that it is a christian element of the united states of america that will be foremost in legislating laws that will be against the Bible. And so um, I believe that's where politics and prophecy cross, especially now, because we're seeing groups come up and saying, you know what, because of our current president, God put him in, in there, and now we're going to see things that are going to make this nation great again and turn this nation back to God. And... You know, the, it has become taboo to speak any, um, any ill against what we see happening prophetically. And I, it's, it's strange because, you know, the, the question to me would be why? For me would be why? Why all of a sudden is it wrong to point out the prophetic um, markers that we've always pointed out? when we're now seeing them being fulfilled. And to me, what it says is that there are people that are now beginning to put politics and nationalism 
above prophecy and the state of God's church. And that's unfortunate. So, in other words, the religious right has something to do with Bible prophecy? Absolutely. Absolutely. The religious right, according to Revelation chapter 13, the uh, beast with the horns of a lamb that speaks like a dragon, um, we have consistently, throughout our existence as a church, taught that that represents the United States of America and specifically the Christian element of the United States of America. So um, I think there is uh, a danger in stepping back from that view in order to validate a particular political preference or party. You said in one of your sermons that the Seventh-day Adventist message can reach both the Democrats and the Republicans, both the left and the right. Can you explain more about that? So I believe the message is crafted for that very reason. Okay, the message of the three angels is designed to reach those who have a tendency to reject spiritual principles and those who, on the other hand, are misusing spiritual principles. Okay? We have two parties, Democrats, Republicans. Republicans are known as the religious right. Democrats are usually, uh, they are considered the party that is, you know, kind of like, hey, we're more liberal. We, you know, they're not bound by religious principles as a party. I'm not saying that they're individuals, that every individual in the party, but as a party, they tend to sway left, whereas the religious right is obviously swaying right. Both sides do not understand the truth of the gospel. Okay, so one side moves totally away from it. The other side takes it and misconstrues it and gives a false picture of who God is. I believe the gospel is designed to reach both of those parties, both of those people. And as Adventists, we should be standing in the middle of those parties, right? Not partaking in their hatred of one another, but understanding that as movements are afoot that want to, you know, legalize homosexuality and legalize all kinds of things that we know the Bible is against. At the same time, the other side is going the exact opposite extreme. And therefore, as Adventists, we should be in the middle trying to bring both sides to the truth as it is in Jesus. And so the Adventist message has a special way to reach both the liberal and the, That's right. and the conservative. That's right. That's right. Now, as an historian, I recognize that you're a very good historian mm -hmm. based on your post. Mm -hmm. And you discovered something about the voice of the dragon of Revelation 13 according to our pioneers. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what the pioneers yeah. discovered about the voice of the dragon? Yeah. So um, our pioneers, their view of the beast in Revelation 13, that has the horns of a lamb, speaks as a dragon. Their view, obviously, was that that beast represented the United States of America and the Protestant element of the United States of America. However, unlike our um, 
our founders, many of us today believe that the dragon, the lamb-like beast, will eventually speak as a dragon. The prophecy states that it speaks as a dragon from its inception. And that's very significant because what the pioneers taught regarding that, the reason they identified America as this lamb-like beast that has a horns of a dragon, I mean horns of a lamb and speaks as a dragon, was primarily because while it professed to be a Christian nation, it was a nation that legalized slavery. And that was, they said, you know, they taught there were more reasons than that, that this power fit America, but that that was one of the primary reasons was slavery. And they even went as far as to say that this beast would never reform. Wow. The beast never reforms its language. It always has been looking like a lamb, but speaking like a dragon, and always will be, uh, I believe it was Uriah Smith who said, until it is thrown into the flames. And so we can pretty much expect that the spirit of racism is very much alive, although many times hidden under lamb-like appearances. What do you think of Seventh-day Adventists questioning other Seventh-day Adventists about Black Lives Matter or the Kaepernick situation? Yeah. What's your reaction towards that? So my reaction to Adventists, let, let me say it this way. I believe that as Adventists, we should have a voice in the public. That voice should carry the three angels' messages. The three angels' messages should be able, should be used to address the very issues that these other movements are seeking to address. I don't believe we should use the same tactics as these other people are using because the answers they have are not the answers we have, right? They're doing the best that they can to address an issue uh, of oppression that, that they know, right? So whatever method that they, that they come up with, that's what they know. And they're doing what they believe to be the only way to get an answer. Because we have the Bible and an understanding of the three angels' messages, among all peoples on this planet, we should be the ones that should be front and center in speaking to these issues and showing that the true answer to racism, to poverty, to crime, to all these different things is, is not found in human reforms, but is found in the gospel itself. And so in order to do that, we have to have an empathy. We have to be able to empathize with those who are going through these. If we are speaking in such a way where we show a lack of empathy, a lack of empathy will lead to a lack of action. Because you know what, oh, they're, you know, they shouldn't be doing this because it's, you know, this issue really doesn't exist and they're using it as a political whatever. All those things show a lack of empathy in the real life struggles that people of different colors and of different backgrounds go through. So I just think it shows a lack of empathy and therefore leads to a lack of action, which then leads to an 
impotent gospel? That is a great challenge to have an impotent gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, um, how do you think race relations are within the Seventh Avenue Church today? Particularly well, in America. Yeah. I think that race relations within the Adventist church today is, um, I would use a story of Peter to describe the race relations in the Adventist church today in North America. You know, not everyone struggles with this issue, but the issue is a real issue. And to me, it's, it's telling that it's one of the only issues that we tend to sweep under the rug. Racism is sin. We're not hesitant to say that there is hate you know, within our church. We have to deal with the sin of hate, the sin of pride, the sin of adultery, the sin of, you know, you can go down the list. But when we get to the sin of racism, there's this almost vehement denial on the part of many that it even exists, which is unrealistic. You know, we're in a world where Satan is still active. He doesn't let up on one sin over another. So if all these other sins still exist, then guess what? The sin of racism exists in the Adventist church. And the way that it ex exists is, like I said with Peter, Peter uh, had the Holy Spirit poured out upon him on the day of Pentecost. He was a racist hmm. when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon him, and he didn't know it. In Acts chapter 10, he has a dream. And in the dream, he, you know, he's told that these three Gentiles are coming to, to, or after he wakes up from this dream, three Gentiles come to him. The Spirit says to him, go doubt in not, doubting nothing. He gets to Cornelius and, you know, this Gentile and the Holy Spirit's been poured out upon them. Peter then realizes, oh, God has told me not to call any man common or unclean. Peter was still racist in his heart towards those who were not of his nation. He would not have gone with these three Gentiles. So now we think, okay, problem solved. God had to reach down deep into Peter to get this issue of race out of his heart. But then you have in the book of Galatians where Paul himself says, I had to rebuke Peter to his face because he didn't want to eat with these Gentiles when he saw the Jews come around. He was being a hypocrite. So even down to that time, Peter still had this issue in his heart. And I think that there are individuals within God's church who struggle with this or who have it in their hearts that maybe don't even realize it. And God did what, he did what he did with Peter because he wanted Peter saved. God wants us saved. God wants everyone. So when he's revealing these types of things, it's not something that we should fight against and say, yeah, you know what, this is not real. You know, it's, it's made up. It's political. It's whatever. No, we should search our hearts because the Bible says the, the heart is desperately wicked, right? Who can know it? God knows it. So I believe God allows sometimes for us to have issues like this rise so we can check our own hearts to see, man, am I struggling with racism, right? And, you know, I'll say this, racism doesn't go one way. It exists in many different cultures between many different colors. So it's an issue that I think is a human issue. Hmm. You know, in the context of America, we usually think black, white, Hispanic issue, but the issue goes way beyond that because racism is something that is present in every culture 
among every people. Amen. As an African-American Seventh-day Adventist pastor, you're unique in that you predominantly minister to Caucasian congregations mm -hmm. or have a strong multicultural following. What do you think has allowed you to easily cross over to various cultures and nationalities? That is a good question. I don't know if I know the answer to that question. I, I will take a, a shot at it, and I will say that I believe it is the preaching of the gospel um, without anything added to it, right? I mean, in other words, the preaching of the gospel, I believe, is what draws people of every nation, multitude, kindred, and tongue. And I think because my message is not focused on ministering to a particular people, um, but ministering to all of us because we all have the same need of the gospel, that it crosses over and goes beyond uh, cultural lines, color lines, racial lines, whatever. It reaches everyone, every kindred nation, people, and tongue. And that's what the gospel is designed to do. So I think that when we preach, our message should be such as it appeals to everyone and anyone. You talked about one of your ministries, Army Bible Camp. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, share with us some of the experiences of seeing this type of brotherhood or familyhood within those meetings where it seems like people of all races and all backgrounds are yeah are united yeah so uh you know one of the things that we have seen consistently at the army camps is that people um i'm going to use this term uh doctrinally people on the left and on the right will come to these camps and when they leave, they are realizing that, hey, I just worshipped with the left. I just worshipped with the right. And because the focus of these meetings were on Christ and Christ alone, we were all able to worship. Everyone was able to worship. Everyone was able to draw closer to Christ. And everyone left as brothers without these, uh, these labels that often tend to separate us. Uh, we, we've had people who are homosexual come to these meetings and, you know, because we weren't judging them and, you know, blasting them from the front or whatever in private, we were just loving on these people and they gave up their lifestyles and, you know, became born again Christians following the Lord. And we've seen this happen, um, you know, pretty much at every camp people coming from different backgrounds and hearing the gospel being preached and being able to unite together as one just based upon the gospel that was being preached. Praise the Lord. We've seen many miracles and I'm an eyewitness of it as I worked in the camps in the past, seeing uh, so many miracles of reconciliation and unity among mm. people you never expect. Yeah. Now, um, you're proactive in ministry, mm -hmm. and you have a new ministry called Fight the Hate Ministries. Can you explain yes. about yeah. what motivated you and what Fight the Hate Ministries is about? 
So Fight the Hate Ministry, uh, again, the motivation for Fight the Hate Ministry, which was just started in the last year, um, was basically understanding our Adventist pioneers, that many of them were abolitionists. They had taken the gospel message and combined it with the social issue of the day. And that is one of the reasons why the gospel was able to spread so rapidly under their leadership. They were looking at the social issues of poverty, homelessness, um, racism, and they connected the three angels' messages with those social issues. And people saw that they cared about them in a very real, tangible, and practical way. And so Fight the Hate Ministry is a ministry that we started in the Bay Area um, that is designed to take the three angels' messages and make it applicable to the social issues of the day. So while you got various groups that are popping up in protest to, you know, this wrong or that wrong, we are a group that is seeking to show a different answer to the issues of the day. And that answer is found in, in the three angels' messages. I think that, you know, a lot of groups within Adventism pop up that will either address just the social issue and you know just totally leave out the gospel and say well we're doing the gospel by feeding the poor or whatever we don't have to preach to them or let them know anything about you know the gospel um on the other extreme you have the group that says we're just going to preach the gospel we're not concerned about you know social uh injustices uh we're just going to preach the gospel and uh leave all that stuff to it so i think both of those extremes um, are extreme. I think that both of those you know, reaching out to people, preaching the gospel should be met in the center, should be mingled. And I think when that happens, you have a perfect combination to be able to do exactly what our pioneers did. What are some uh, events that you've done with this ministry? Or can you share with us uh, what implementation you have done yeah. so we're definitely still in the growing stages um, the key thing about this ministry is that it is a youth ministry mm -hmm. and so we are taking young people who maybe have never done anything in terms of ministry in this way and trying to show them the importance of being aware of the social issues of the day and then how to address those social issues so one of the first things that we did was um, we, we had about maybe 150 or so young people uh, gather together one, I uh, believe it was Sabbath afternoon. We broke up into groups of tens. And so we went to all the police stations and fire stations in our area and basically let them know who we were and that we wanted to pray with them and thank them for you know, the service that they are, you know, giving to our community, protecting the community, and letting them know that, you know, I mean, in, in light of the distrust towards uh, police officers today, you know, we know that not all police officers are doing what you see on the news with you know, some of the things that are just outrageous. But we wanted to let our officers know we appreciate the work that you're doing and show them love, okay? 
Uh, I think it was a very small thing, but for the young people, it was something that they, that they had never done before. And so now we just had this issue with the Charlottesville, um, uh, you know, riots and one of the protesters against the hatred being killed. And so as a group, we've been talking and, and you know, wondering, okay, what can we do? We're all the way here in San Jose. This happened out there in Charlottesville. What is something that we can do? And we have decided that what we want to do is try to implement a national day of prayer for your enemies. Wow. So think about that, right? What if we took a day? This is just a brainstorm. What if we took a day and said, okay, this day we're going to, you know, we, we were first thinking we're going to call it National Day of Prayer for the KKK, right? And we're like, no, let's not, let's not do that. Let's make it more general because, you know what, there are a lot of people that have enemies that may be in their own families, you know, maybe former friends, maybe a former spouse. So we said, you know what, this needs to be expanded. If we re truly are about fighting the hate, then, yeah, it would be powerful for us to try to get this national day of prayer for one's enemies. And so on that day, that day is dedicated to praying specifically for that enemy of yours, praying that the Lord would bless that person, praying that the just as Jesus said, pray for those that despitefully use you, pray for those that, that you know, bless them, that curse you. All right, we're going to do that on a national scale. We're going to try to get, you know, the, get the word out through social media and every other avenue that we can that this particular day is going to be a national day of prayer for one's enemies. And we just thought, man, that would be a very powerful, powerful message of fighting the hate. So again, we're new, we're very young in terms of the ministry and trying to find that balance of how do we address these social issues in a different way you know, than others are doing. How do we you know, really bring the gospel front and center to uh, you know, our ministry and to the issues of the day? And so those are just some of the things that we you know, have been blessed to do and brainstorm. Amen. Pastor, I want to thank you so much. Your time is valuable. You are very busy, <laughs> and uh, I literally had to pull you out of the cafeteria with so many people wanting to talk to you, yeah. and um, I really greatly appreciate this, and do you have any final words to say uh, in regards to healing the nations? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, I would say that as Adventists, our voice needs to be heard. I think that there are a lot of Adventists who need to hear their fellow Adventists speak to these issues. Um, you know, silence in a time like this can be very uh, discouraging. There are a lot of people within our midst who are fearful of the society that we're living in today, who are, who are just uncertain of their future, and they are fearful even within the church because they don't know who stands where. And that's not a comfortable feeling. That shouldn't be a feeling that any one of us, of ad, any Adventist should have in an Adventist church. So I believe that we really need to study what it means to be more empathetic uh, to 
those who are going through whatever struggle they're going through and learn to address those issues and learn how to connect the three angels messages with the issues of the day. That's what I would say. Thank you so much, Pastor. And thank you everyone for downloading and taking your valuable time to listen to this podcast. We pray that it's a blessing. And Pastor, one more favor. Can you say a closing prayer for us as we uh, end this podcast? Absolutely. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for giving us this time to talk um, and to share uh, just thoughts with our audience. I want to pray, Lord, for everyone who is listening that um, they will go back and study the history of our pioneers and see how, um, how they did ministry. And Lord, may we implement those things in our ministries today. May we be more empathetic. May we have uh, your heart, Lord, uh, towards those who are suffering and who are oppressed. And may we be your hands. Remind us, Lord, Isaiah 58 is a chapter you have put specifically in the Bible for us. May we read that chapter and understand your desire for your people, especially at the time of the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. You're welcome. Thanks, friend.